of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. May his grace and his blessing be with us now and unto the age of all ages, amen. Beloved, I, I hope you all had a blessed Thanksgiving day, and I hope that you reflected on the countless mercies and the graces that we all receive from the hands of our compassionate God. And of course, the greatest of these mercies, these graces, these blessings, is the salvation that God offers to each and every one of us freely, each one who believes in him. And he gives us the opportunity through this salvation to be united with him, not only here on earth, but also in his eternal kingdom of heaven. And as oftentimes happens on Thanksgiving Day, the church began the fast of the nativity, which is a 43-day period of preparation before Christmas on January 7th. In the West, this period is known as Advent, which comes from the Latin Adventus, which literally means arrival or presence. And this word was traditionally used to describe the arrival of a ruler, a king or an emperor, or even a god who comes and manifests mighty works. And that's how people know that he is the ruler or that he is the God. And of course, Christians understand the truth that our Lord Jesus Christ is this divine king who was born so that he might enter into creation and grant us the gift of his presence. God, of course, is everywhere present. God is never absent from any person. In the gospel, if you read the passages that describe Christ's presence, especially when he performed miracles, notice that the evangelists do not say Christ came and performed the miracle as though he was someplace else and then suddenly he came and performed that miracle in, in one certain place. But instead, the evangelists are very careful to say that Christ manifested or revealed himself in the working of the miracle. And that difference, that nuance, is certainly intended. It is a reminder that God is everywhere present and that he is never absent from his people. Nonetheless, on Christmas, this great feast, God revealed his presence to each and every one of us in a most intimate way. He took flesh, was incarnate, became man, was born in Bethlehem, fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah that he would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. There is a beautiful prophecy about this in the Old Testament, a book known as the Wisdom of Solomon. Unless you have an Orthodox study Bible, you won't have this book in your Bible because most common Bibles today are the Protestant canon or the Protestant selection of books. And sadly, Protestants ignore several books of the Old Testament and they don't include it in the Bible. But this book is part of our Old Testament and I want to read for you this beautiful prophecy concerning the advent or the coming of Christ our King. The prophecy says, For while all things were in quiet silence, and that night was in the midst of her swift course, thine almighty word leaped from heaven out of the royal throne 
as a fierce man of war into the midst of a land of destruction. So this prophecy, of course, speaks about the birth of Christ. He is the almighty word or logos of God who leaped from his royal throne in heaven and came to earth, which is called a land of destruction because of the fallenness of humanity and creation after sin and death entered into the world. So Advent, therefore, is a time for us to remember how God came to us, how God visited us in our weakness. These days, the concept of visitation or visiting someone oftentimes has a negative connotation. A visit is a burden, or a visit is the invading of my personal space in the modern mind. Some associate this concept of visitation with God visiting us with punishments or trials or tribulations or sicknesses and so forth. And these are all misunderstandings because the true nature of God's visitation is joyful. Even if God sees fit to visit a person with an illness or a painful circumstance, we know that every visitation of God is something joyful because it is a chance for us to feel the nearness of God and to benefit. How can God, we might say, how can God visiting us with something painful be the source of joy? That doesn't make any sense to the modern mind. How can tribulations and suffering and illness and pain, how could that be joy? The answer, brothers and sisters, lies in the fact that, unfortunately, part of our nature is that we acknowledge the most important things in life only when we have lost the things that we love the most. It is only when we lose the things that we love the most that we finally come to recognize what is most important in life. Imagine a person this past Thanksgiving focused on food, on family gatherings, on shopping, on all kinds of worldly pursuits, without actually giving thanks to God on this day. Perhaps he might say today this was a good and memorable Thanksgiving day, but if next year that very same person finds himself sick with a serious illness, he will forget all of the worldly things and he will finally remember what is most important and he will truly give thanks to God. So this period of the Nativity Fast or Advent is a time when we remember God's visitation and how every visitation from God straightens us out and helps us to grow in the right way. The Nativity Fast, Advent, is also a time for us to wait. It is a period of waiting. You know the Holy Scriptures are full of parables of waiting, like the five wise and five foolish virgins who waited for their master to go to the wedding banquet, or the parable of the servants who were given different talents from their master, and they were to work with these talents until he returned to them. Waiting is not something new even for us today because there are many things for which we wait in life. 
Anyone who has sat in traffic for more than an hour knows that it is unbearable for us to wait unless we have something to occupy our time, whether it is making a phone call or praying or listening to a podcast. And similarly, our waiting during this time of Advent will be very difficult if we don't fill this time with meaningful things. Our secular world wants us to spend this time continuously with food, with entertainment, so much so that by the time we actually reach Christmas Day, there is nothing left to celebrate. We've already celebrated and done everything that we could possibly do before Christmas has even come. If we follow the secular world and we get distracted in this way, and we spend this time of preparation instead celebrating with worldly and secular things, then not only will we not have prepared for Christmas, but more importantly, more tragically, Christmas will have no real meaning for us. Because by then, we have already ate all the holiday food. We've already drank the special drinks. We've already shopped. We've already fixated on the entertainment and the gatherings and the presents. So what's left? There will be nothing left for us on Christmas Day if we spend our time in this way. Our waiting during the season of Advent shouldn't be filled with these worldly distractions, but instead we should fill it with the meaningful presence of God by fasting, by prayer, by attending more divine services, by more spiritual reading and more spiritual things. Now that's not to say that we can't enjoy the joyfulness of the season because Advent, yes, is a time of joy. The important thing is that our joy be rooted in Christ, that our joy be rooted in preparing for the birth of Christ. And there are so many things that we do in our joy that are actually rooted in Christ, but we've forgotten the connection to Christ. We probably have a Christmas tree at home. Why do we have Christmas trees? Why do we put these trees in our homes? Is it just to be a carrier for lights and glitter and ornaments? No. The Christmas tree in our home reminds us of the words of Psalm 95. Psalm 95, which says, The fields and all that is in them will rejoice. At that time, all of the trees will rejoice before the face of the Lord who comes. The trees will rejoice before the face of the Lord who comes. This is the origin of the Christmas tree. This is why we put the tree in our homes, to remind us that the Lord is coming. So this is something joyful that can be rooted in Christ. Similarly, why do we have so many holiday treats? Christmas baking. Why do we do that? Not only for Christmas, but for every single feast. It's found in the Old Testament, in Joel and in Amos and elsewhere. We read, and it will be in that day the mountains will drip sweetness and the hills will flow with milk and honey. In these prophecies, the holy prophets are telling us that when the Lord comes, there will be no more bitterness left on earth. 
And so out of our piety and our joy, we bake these sweet things and we give them above all to our brothers and sisters in need. And we share with them the good news. Christ has come and there is no bitterness left in the world. This is why we bake. But again, if we do all of this before Christmas Day, then what is there left to celebrate on Christmas Day? All of these things have a spiritual meaning. Why do we give gifts to one another on Christmas? It is not just because we've been good all year and Santa has us on the right part of the list and we somehow deserve presents. No, no, that is not the reason at all. We give gifts because Christ offered himself as a gift to each and every one of us. And the Magi, when they came, they offered gifts to him. And we imitate them offering gifts to the one who gave himself as a gift to us. That is the meaning of gift-giving and presence on Christmas. So all of these joyful things, brothers and sisters, have a root in Christ and in our Christian celebration of Christmas. And for us during this time, it is important that we remember these things, that we teach our children and remind one another about these things so that we can benefit from the season and not just have the season to be joyful, but we don't know what the joy is for. The joy is for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who was born so that he might save us and that he might unite each and every one of us to himself in now and also in his eternal kingdom. And glory be to God forever. Amen.